velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this and McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scores. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and to celebrate two from two, I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. Tom, feels good getting these W's, doesn't it? Makes this evening a lot easier. These these Monday nights as the, the dark and cold comes in, they're getting they're getting a lot easier. Yeah, two from two. As you say, it's not not often we get to talk about consecutive wins. We're the form team in the league at the moment, G. And yeah, what a spectacle, what a performance. And, you know, what a game for the neutrals it was at uh, <laughs> Park on, uh, on Saturday afternoon. The, the game which I'm sure everybody watched on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, highlight, highlight of the rugby weekend, for sure. It was the highlight of the rugby weekend for, for me and for, for many rugby fans. And yeah, we're going to talk all about that. Um, brilliant 10-17 victory at Kingston Park. Give you the breakdown of the victory and all of the highlights which that included. And then to end the podcast, Tom, something slightly different this week. We um, are joining up with the Rolling Mall podcast, which is the Left Tigers fan podcast, to have a little bit of a chat about the upcoming game, the rivalry continuing on Friday night at the Wreck, Leicester the Bath. So yeah, looking forward to chatting to those guys and, and previewing that that game, a game that we're both going to. Yeah, it's gonna be good. It's uh you know not often that we've we've uh collaborated with other podcasts. Obviously did it with the the guys at Bears Beyond the Gate a couple of times. So good to talk to those guys and you know it's one of the oldest rugby fixtures over a hundred years old in you know in in English rugby. So great to hear what those guys are uh, have been talking about. And ultimately, you know, despite the fact that Leicester were we're eventual winners of the tournament last year. There was one place separating us in the league, so all set for a all set for a competitive game down at down at the wreck on Friday night. Yeah, and I think the highlight of my rugby weekend was looking at the table after the Bath game, and then after the Bristol game on Saturday evening to see Bath above Bristol, um, back where they belong, which must have um, warmed your bonfire night cockles. Oh. Absolutely, and yeah, some brilliant social media work by the guys that the guys that uh, that run the Bath Rugby account. So if you haven't seen that, get on with that. They uh, they tagged us in that, and our notifications have never been um, been been so busy as they were over the over the weekend on on on, on Saturday night. But yeah, one t- two teams in very different places. You know, in in the table, you sometimes see the little green arrow indicating an upward trajectory, and a little red arrow going on the way down. So hopefully that that trend. That trend continues, but um, yeah, great to great to be ahead of ahead of those guys after after what's been what's been a long time, really. I think, yeah, a long time coming, and, and hopefully the only way is up, which we'll we'll get onto when we talk to to those guys at the Rolling Mall 
podcast. Tom, before we do get into talking about the, the rugby at the weekend and, and the rugby for this upcoming weekend, we should just mention that former Bath winger Levi Davis is currently missing, last seen in um, a pub in Barcelona on the 29th of October. Uh, yeah, obviously hugely concerning, hugely worrying. Um, everyone on social media sharing this, trying to get the word out. And I think we just wanted to use this platform, Tom, to, to do this as a former Bath player, as, as a former member of the rugby community. Um, so, yeah, obviously, if you do know anything, please do get in contact with the police, most importantly, or the club, or however you want to do that. And, yeah, our thoughts and our, kind of our prayers hope that, that he's found safe um, sometime soon and and that gets resolved so yeah a somber note to start for sure but but something I think we have we had to mention um, let's move on to the rugby Tom and yeah it was a premiership rugby TV showing on Saturday afternoon at Kingston Park 499 well spent oh, I think so worth worth <laughs> every penny all 499 of them it, it, yeah it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> was it we've we've there's been so many games this year that have backed up the fact that you know from a pure viewership point of view the premiership the English premiership is a is a brilliant product there's been tries galore excitement close finishes comebacks uh you know players that have 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 you know catapulted themselves into into um you know into not into stardom you know what I mean but into kind of um I've, I've really really taken this season by the scruff of the neck and this was probably not one that is going to attract too many Premiership fans to to either team. It was, yeah, it was a it was a pretty dark spectacle, wasn't it? It was very very grim, rainy conditions in the in the northeast of England, and I don't think that helped. But yeah, I think two teams when you look at them that were very very rusty, probably two teams that were were fighting to get their respective second wins of the season. You know, Bath had made eight changes coming into the the game from Saints, so obviously a, a very different looking team. And Newcastle hadn't played a game since, a premiership game since the 15th of October. So yeah, I think two teams scrapping and certainly certainly uh, lacking cohesion and, and much quality, bar a couple of, of isolated uh, sprinklings of, of magic, which will... We'll, we'll come on to but yeah not one that I think many will be watching back no luckily I watched this in full on Saturday yeah. on Premiership Rugby TV so haven't just spent my Monday evening re-watching it because I felt like I had just about covered it off uh, on the first watch but huge credit to the the guys cutting highlights at, at BT Sport 11 minutes 41 out of that is a hell of an effort because yeah you're absolutely right it was it was pretty poor. Um, I think the quality of rugby was was pre-season level. That's what it felt like with, with, with so many people looking so rusty. You mentioned Newcastle there, but, but Bath making eight changes, as you say, but also a lot of the guys who were playing are new to the club this season or new to the club kind of within the season or haven't played a lot of rugby. But you look at it, Quinn Rue, Fergus Lee Warner in the second rows, never played together. Fergus Lee Warner never started. Morosov back in, in, in the four in the in the number one shirt. Ted Hill first start. Max Green and George Warboys as the the fly half 
the fly half scrum half partnership never before for the Bath first team. Warboys in his second game, Green in his first start in in twelve months. The centre partnership never played together. Roy McConaughey back from a long term layoff. Like it is understandable why they looked so disjointed, um, and I think that played out in in a number yeah. of ways. Right? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think when you add in conditions to that, and particularly during that first half, it was absolutely hammering it down. Which obviously isn't an excuse at professional level, but it does make it more difficult and to, to execute skills and to to be accurate and all that kind of thing. I think the confidence element played into it as well. It almost felt like both teams were sort of more concerned with not making mistakes rather than actually risking it, taking well, the initiative and, 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 you know, trying to get the win. If they were concer- concerned about making mistakes, then they left the game pretty concerned because there was a fair, well, fair few of them. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm more mean making mistakes that would would cost points or you know <laughs> trying to trying to take the initiative trying mm. to trying to you know be overly ambitious shall we say and i don't think that's that's borne out so do you want to have a guess how many kicks from hand there were in the <laughs> between uh, both, uh, for, for both sides as in as a total let me guess i guess 75 bloody hell 75 i think that would be i think that would be the world record <laughs> <laughs> bear in mind, bear in mind that the average ball in playtime is about fifty, fifty-five-ish to sixty minutes. There were there were fifty kicks from from hand, twenty-eight of which were Bath. So, approximately one every minute. Which, when you build in set piece time and you know conversions and and that kind of thing, is is a lot of kicking. So um, that didn't leave a lot of time for <laughs> or for you know much opportunity to to try and play and to try and take any initiative with the, with with ball in hand. Yeah, and it was stop start, right, wasn't it? I think one of the things that happens when you are so disjointed and not familiar with playing with each other is is kind of the set pieces don't function well and that yeah. bore out for for both teams but it but you know focusing on Bath I thought the scrum was was yeah, juttery. Like they were, they were kind of all they were overbalancing, and they just didn't quite have that cohesion in that area, and and came out on the wrong side. And then the lineout was, yeah, it was a bit of a mess to be honest with you. And Tom Dunn throwing in and 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 everything's obviously an experienced operator for Bath, but the guys around him not at all. So I think that bore out, and that just made the game really stop start and an ill discipline from Bath in particular in that first half just meant that that kind of nothing really got going yeah. and and yeah it wasn't it wasn't a good game of rugby yeah and i think when you when you don't have much of a crowd presence as well which, the, oh which word. there's no sort of there's you no rhythm again. yeah there's no rhythm to the game there's no the crowd getting behind the team and you know and i think that kind of almost meant that the players are on autopilot a little bit there are also mm-hmm. a couple of other weird delays like the referee for example his microphone broke didn't he and that was a four or five minute delay getting that getting that sorted so yeah very sort of um, water breaks every fifteen minutes. I think the crowd, the, rain, yeah. the, the crowd yeah. deserved a water break every five minutes for, for for making the trip. But a water break for those players every fifteen minutes in the pissing rain in in Newcastle. I know, bizarre. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely bizarre. Um, there were Tom, however, kind of turning to to some to, to some positives. Um, a couple of moments of of quality. 
Um, Ted Hill crashing over for for Bath's first try in the in the second half, and then and then really the only moment of of attacking flair that we saw, only moment that I think was justified for those eleven minutes forty one highlights, was the the Ollie Lawrence try after some some nice build up play from Bath and offload from Jonathan Joseph, and then a grubber through from Max Ajoma beautifully off the left boot. Um, he's tried a few left boot chips before and they've not been that successful. So one in 10 is, is his strike rate on those. He found Ollie Lawrence on the left wing who who crashed over. Um, and that ultimately 10-17 was the difference in the game. Yeah, cultured. Cultured uh, left foot. I, was, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. And for, also for Max to get his first start in you know what's been a very competitive part of the team. Mm. I think it's his first start since the start of October. So I thought he, yeah, that was a, a lovely moment that, that decided the game. I think Jonathan Joseph had come on as well, hadn't he? Mm. Minutes prior. And he'd added like, you know, a guy who's not really played too much either with Ollie Lawrence and Redpath obviously starting. He added, I think, a bit of kind of much needed dynamism to some of the players on the pitch who probably were were getting into that stagnant, you know, theme of the, and, and um, you know, the, the way the game was going. So, yeah. Lovely piece of of lovely piece of skill, and they yeah they they celebrated that one pretty hard in the in the in in the corner, didn't they? And um, the, cor- the yeah, corner down that. by where all of Will Muir's colleagues, the, uh, are, former players at Gainsborough FC. Gainsborough, yeah. yeah so some yeah, good turn up from those boys again. Obviously, Will Muir injured for the rest of the season, which is a big shame. But those guys, those guys still still uh, still still showed out in in force. And you know, we did obviously go ahead. I think it was what seventeen seven at that point but it wasn't well it wasn't it couldn't you know it wasn't necessarily um all plain sailing I mean we we were struck pretty seriously by by injuries in that second half G so Gabe Hammer Webb who was on crutches after the after the game which is which is you know gutting to see for for him Big Mac as well who's just back from is his, his knee wasn't it and now has injured his hamstring will have to go for for, for scans and also uh, Billy Searle who had come on looked looked pretty good and then had, he, he'd gone off it doesn't sound like a, minor, a major injury but a quad injury for him which meant that we had to empty our our subs bench and on 67 minutes rung the changes which meant Tom Carl Smith the, the replacements from off was on the wing Max Ajoma who'd obviously shown his pass with the with his left foot was was rightly brought inside to, to the number 10 shirt and then who who else on the other wing? Josh Bayliss covering covering fourteen. So we really had to adapt and to 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 fill in and, and get the job done with guys playing completely out of position. Where where he belongs, Josh Bayliss. Well, ask Freddie Burns. <laughs> Maybe talk to the the Rolling Mall Pod boys about um, yeah about Freddie Burns on the wing. Uh, not yeah, not where he belongs, but maybe where Josh Bayliss belongs. And and Bath were able to see it out. Um, yeah, a dreadful Newcastle team, if we're being honest, weren't able to to take advantage of that. Um, and, and 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 it's four points, right? And it didn't feel like a a great win because the performance was was pretty poor. But it's good that we won that because yeah. I think we may not have done so in, in previous years. We may not have got that second try and I think maybe we would have conceded one our real discipline might have reared its reared its head so yeah it's four points and that, that's a good tough place to go in previous years I don't think it's going to be as tough this season but 
yeah, we're above Bristol and we've won two from two and we are starting to to maybe build something. 100%. We were maybe being a little bit bit negative just because of the nature of the the, the performance and, and how the game itself, you know, played out and the quality. But you're right. I mean, look at games last season where we had injuries to Cipriani and to Spencer and we had to chop and change and have guys clean out of position and we capitulated completely. And, you know, we made excuses for the guys at, at that point. But ultimately, in this game, we found a way to get the job done. And we can be really proud of that, no matter how it comes about. And we said earlier on in the, the season that this style of play, particularly in conditions like that against opposition like that, is going to be pragmatic. It is going to be, you know, dull at times above all. And I would much rather take a, a boring win any day of the week. As you say, we, you know, we move a little bit higher in the table they'll take a lot of confidence from that, particularly as they're able to hold, hold on with the, the injuries and the chopping and changes they, they, you know, they, they, they had to make. So yeah, first away win of the season and, you know, obviously coming out with the few injuries, which is a concern, particularly on the wing, mm. but we can be proud that we, 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 we managed to, to get the result in, as you say, what's been difficult, uh, a difficult place for us to go in, in seasons gone by. Yeah. Agreed. A couple of other, um, highlights of, of the game from me, Tom. I think we need to have a shout out to whoever the, the bloke on commentary for Premiership Rugby TV was. It said that it was Jamie Lyle. Now, it definitely wasn't Jamie Lyle because he was doing the Scotland-Fiji game at Murrayfield. So I don't know who it was, but I thought he put in a stellar performance. That is not an easy job on your own. No. That sort of a game. And yeah, he really leaned into it, particularly in the second half. Um, leaned into the lack of quality and yeah, added hugely to my enjoyment of the game. So I'd love to know who that was. And yeah, I thought I thought that was a fantastic performance. The performance of the day. Yeah, I genuinely prefer the the, the solo coverage on Prem TV to, to, to BT Sport, to be honest. I, I think they, they, they come up with some more novel comments. It's, they're not kind of uh, peddling the rhetoric that we, we often hear. But anyway, we're not going down that rabbit hole today. <laughs> Anyone on the field for Bath that you'd, you'd, you'd pick out? You know, when, we mentioned Max Ajoma, but anyone you'd, you'd pick out as you know, having, a, having a good game? I think, yeah, I think Gallagher impressed me again. Yeah. I think his left boot was really important in that game, and and he's so assured, isn't he? Um, I think he had he had a, a strong performance, and I also thought Fergus Lee Warner in, in the second row looked lively with ball in hand. I mentioned how big a boy he was, and he made a couple of nice breaks. Um, so hopefully, him and and Quinn Rue can kind of get some more playing time under their belts together because I think those two looked. Look, look for me to be the standouts on the pitch. And it kind of really, for me, Tom, before for I throw it to you, just underlines just how important the new players have been. Like, you think Warner, mid-season signing. Lawrence, mid-season signing, one try. Ted Hill, the other try, mid-season signing. Like, we are being, at the moment, almost carried by these either summer signings or more recent signings than that. And I think... You know, the positive of that is that these guys are in the most, in a lot of cases, sticking around. So, so they are going to be Bath players and, and help Bath, you know, kind of build for the future. But I think it also does just flag a, a little bit of a concern around the initial squad that that, that we kind of um, that we built and, and the lack of depth, the depth I think within that. So, yeah, I think though a lot of the new faces are 
are starring at the moment. And yeah, I know there'll be Bath fans around thinking that this happens to every new signing and then they kind of catch the Bath bug and then they they, they kind of revert back to the, the mediocrity of, of, of maybe other Bath players. But yeah, I think for now, those players are, start, are starting to, are shining. Yeah, and I, I, you you know, it's, you can tell we've been doing this podcast for whatever, five seasons and 160 episodes because I'd pretty much written down exactly the same points as, as as you just did. I thought Lee Warner was impressive, carried hard. Ted Hill as well. He's, he's clearly... Eight, mate. He's clearly very strong. Yeah, I... I Right. He's a better rate than the Carpentier. Potentially, I'm bored with that. I thought the Carpentier had another good game, though. I think he, from the base in particular, I think he's. I think. I, th- I think. I think. Mm. I think he's quite effective. I think you're. Uh, I think you're harsh on him. Um, one other point I was going to make. I, you know, I think obviously a very inexperienced halfback combination. I think they managed the game okay, but I think in that sort of game, a guy that would would take it away from Newcastle would be Ben Spencer. Mm-hmm. He, in the difference in kicking, control, pace of the game, um, knowing when to up the tempo, knowing when to slow things down and, and, and put his foot on the, the ball, I think we, you know, I don't want to say we miss him because we still got the, 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 the job done and those guys can be proud in their very inexperienced um, as, as they are that they did. But yeah, I think Ben Spencer was, was, was missed and a tweet from Bath said that he was, he'd returned to full training mm-hmm. with the squad. So hopefully... We see, uh, you know, our club captain back back soon, and then yeah, just second point. I alluded to it, but injuries on the wing, obviously, Big Mac and I gutted for him and Game mm. Hammer Webb. Hopefully, not not you know long term injuries, but Will Muir obviously out with an ACL for the rest of the season. Big Joe away with England. You know, we are looking a little bit short there, and you know, look at the options: Will Butt, Jonathan Joseph, who could move out to the wing, Darren Atkins as well. So. Um, yeah, be interesting to see what we we do there, but we are we are starting to look a little, little bit thin in that department. Concerning because that that definitely seemed at the start of the season like like an area yeah. of strength and of depth, but a lot of injuries have have kind of plagued that. So, just final thing from me on this game before we do throw it to our conversation with um, the boys at the Rolling Mall podcast. Uh, I think yeah, Matt Gallagher sort of shoulder charged Aaron Wadram towards the, the end of the game and ensued a, a little bit of a scrap. And there was a young lad in the in the crowd. I don't know if you saw this. There was a young lad in the crowd that obviously had got out of his seat and he literally got right in like right by the players and he was just shouting and pointing his finger at the bath players. And it was quite amusing and, and maybe the, the highlight of the stream for me made the £4.99 99 worth it. So I would recommend going back to watch that bit and then maybe not much else of the game. Well, Matt Gallagher, Matt Gallagher turning into a bit of a hero for us this season, isn't he? And, you know, Matt Gallagher. Heart, heart, heart on the sleeve stuff. You can, you, you know, it's called the Gallagher Premiership for a reason and he's certainly... <laughs> certainly <laughs> He's certainly been a, 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 a you know a really nice surprise, but also when you you know when, when you think about it now, you can really tell why Jurgen Van Graan wanted to bring mm. him in because he really suits the style of play that he wants to he wants to to implement. So fair play. Yeah, agreed. Right, that's the chat about Newcastle. Um, we managed to keep that Tom sort of under half an hour, which I think is a record for us. Um, and now we're going to throw it to the. Conversation we have with the, the Leicester Tigers fan podcast. So hope you enjoy that. Thank you for listening. That will see us 
out through the end of the podcast. So thank you for listening. Um, we're going to be at the game on the wreck, which we're going to talk about. If you're going to be there, enjoy it. It's going to be a fantastic evening. Little bit of a spoiler alert. And we're going to predict a victory for Bath. So hope you enjoy it. If you are there, enjoy it. If you watch it on TV and stick behind the boys through thick and thin. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, we're very excited to be joined by the Bath Brothers, the duo behind Bath Rugby Plug, fantastic Bath Rugby podcast. Uh, one of the originals, actually, there before us. I know because I used to start listening to them and try and grab ideas for our own podcast. And then it got too depressing to get having to listen to them gloating about beating us. So I stopped <laughs> that. But anyway, we're very happy to be joined by Tom and Gabriel Council. Guys, welcome aboard. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. We're obviously coming off the back of two wins from two, uh, which has not happened in a long time. I don't think it's happened since you guys started doing your podcast, what, two seasons ago. Um, so you've probably found us at our most elated um, since you since you started. So Is it good a coincidence that that's happened just at the time when Leicester Tigers don't have any games? <laughs> We've got <laughs> nothing to talk about. <laughs> Maybe there's something in there. Uh, tell us about how did you guys set up the podcast then? So, yeah, we were obviously big Bath fans um, and used to listen to um, Egg Chasers podcast, which, um, yeah, I don't know if you guys listen to, but a lot I know a lot of Bath fans and other rugby fans listen to. Grumbling um, about JB most of the time, but yes. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's the case for a lot of people. But yeah, we actually went on a tier two tour of theirs to Madrid um, and got chatting and in the bar uh, afterwards agreed to do it. Uh, there was two of me and Tom and then another guy called Charlie who started it off and yeah, got back and thought, Oh, we're not going to do that. And then thought, ah, you know, we, maybe we could do it. We spend enough time talking about it on our own time. Why don't we kind of record it and do it for, for an hour or, or even longer sometimes and, and see if people like it. And strangely enough, they, they seem to. So that's how it started. And, and five seasons later, yeah, we no premiership titles yet. Uh, like you guys, but, but we're hoping we're ever hopeful. One premiership uh, appearance, though, wasn't it, Elliot? That was, um, yeah, the golden era, obviously. And a quite a surprise run to the final, wasn't it, a couple of years ago? So we had a final appearance 2015, which was just before the podcast. And then we had a semi-final appearance in the That's COVID year, yeah, yeah, where we came from nowhere, got a massive slice of luck on the last weekend where I think Sale couldn't play because they had too many COVID um, yes. cases and yeah. we went down to Exeter and got royally slaughtered in the semi-final <laughs> <laughs> it was something that nobody wants to go who wants to go to Exeter and get absolutely yeah absolutely pulled apart it's pretty horrible yeah but Elliot we've got some pretty good memories of, of Bath some good some bad haven't we yeah it's been a bit of a mixed affair over over the years it's a, it's almost a weird one where our, our lows are crushingly low um, and we seem to have not just lose but lose fairly spectacularly and when we win, we seem to uh, make a good show of it, which is um, obviously pleasing. So it's a bit of a weird one to be, um, when you analyse it over the years, it, it, it's a bit of a, it really is a mixed bag. So, um, but I, we were talking about this beforehand, like the clash um, affairs that we used to happen at Twickenham, just great, great days out, great games. And it's a shame that they've stopped doing it, to be honest, because for us as travelling fans, it was, it was great to be a part of. And it was fantastic atmospheres. And two clubs like Bath and Leicester, probably do need a, uh, a place like Twickenham to showcase the games because they, they're always quite feisty and quite uh, good fun. Yeah, that was, that was, that's 
I mean, talking about kind of highlights that I've I've had over the years as a Bar fan um, against against you guys, and yeah, I think it was the, the 2017 clash, so the first one they did, and it was you know um, kind of the Roman theme and kind of bright sunshine at Twickenham. I think they sold fifty odd thousand tickets, and it was a cracking game as well. I think you guys went ahead, and we Anthony Watson, I think it was. Um, and I, I don't want to talk too much about him. On, on with what you. became of him? Play, what wonderful happened to player. him? It's a sore subject, but on that particular day, he he came through for the the winning try, which was which was um, which, which yeah, that was a that was, that was a great moment. Yeah. From our perspective, not only was it a bad moment, obviously we lost, but I also think Elliot, if I'm right, that was the first game we just announced Matt O'Connor as our head coach, and that's when things were already on a slight downward slope, and that's when things started to fall off a cliff. And there was this sort of an air of like, oh, for fuck's sake about it, when we realised that was happening. The, I mean, there's at the wreck, obviously, which is where we're going on Friday, there's been some incredible swings of momentum in terms of games where you, I, I remember some pretty horrible ones, 45-0, I was there for that. We were playing in some horrendous orange kit. I was there with my mate from Bath, and I had to cheer when George Ford knocked the ball on, because that's <laughs> all I had to cheer for on that game. There's also a couple of really good ones. I remember 2011, uh, where I think Ben Youngs and... Tom Croft started taking the piss. They'd just come back from the Six Nations. Uh, Tom Croft, I think, smiling at Matt Banahan as he ran away for a try from 50 <laughs> metres. And then I think there was uh, 2013 when Ben Young scored a, a 70 metre episode and he stood Devoto up, or I think he was playing fullback for some reason. And which just annoys me because I always think Ben Young's take more tap and goes because you're good at them. But uh, those those were good memories from my perspective, but they, they were since eclipsed by some pretty pants ones. Yeah, I don't have too clear a memory of some of those that you mentioned, but definitely got a clear memory of the 45-0 and also <laughs> a very clear memory of the, the semi-final in that run to the, the final that we had in 2015. The best team in the Premiership that season still, in my mind. And yeah, I'm on Great. record as, as saying that that was the, the best day of my life. And yeah, watching Watson, Eastman, Joseph, Ford... Two, three of them have since played for Leicester, carved Leicester to pieces um, on that day was, yeah, a really, um, a really, a really great one. And kind of, as I say that, just, yeah, the crossover amongst the two clubs in terms of players in recent seasons seems to be, seems to be really prevalent. Um, and yeah, Anthony Watson, a guy that we're really disappointed to let go. Um, I imagine we'll probably feature on Friday unless, unless Eddie Jones has other ideas. So yeah, some good memories, and and I've forgotten the bad ones. <laughs> Trust me, it's like that when you have children as well. You, you think <laughs> you think when it's going to have a second one, you're like, oh yeah, I don't think it was that bad before. And then when you have it, you're like, oh yeah, it was shit for the first time, wasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting you say about yeah crossover of players. It all seemed to start. I think for a while we treated Bath as the retirement home. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think you received Moody, Vesti, and Hip Kiss, didn't you? All in various stages of decline. Uh, yeah. Which was which was quite strange. All great players, of course, you know, in their day, but probably not quite their prime. Um, to, let's talk about Bath's season because I mean, we talk obviously about last season how it it went really, really bad. Well, I'm not going to dwell on it too long. Elliot and I, Elliot, you, I'm not going to steal your um, great comparison, but there's a reason we don't like to gloat, isn't there? Too much about Bath. Yeah, absolutely. We've we've been in that situation ourselves. I think I I used the analogy as uh, we've cleaned up our act. We've sort out our drink problem you guys are still in your AA meetings so it's a um it's not a nice situation to be in I think once you've when you've been at a club like Leicester and Bath who have spent so long at the top you know at the top of the table to find yourself on the complete reverse down at the bottom 
it's a, a humbling experience and it's a shock to the system and it, it's not it's not nice for anyone players coaches and fans so you know there's no need to be um braggy about it you're not uh, bristol and pat lamb but i think more <laughs> to the point as well we're starting to see potentially this season a few shoots of recovery perhaps uh, van grand's come in not wildly heralded i think that there were some people who've had a few question marks about his appointment he hadn't torn up trees at munster for example but there seemed to be some simplification of how bath are playing how, how's the season gone so far obviously you alluded to two consecutive wins gabriel yeah I was, well i was going to say we you know there were some pretty wholesale changes particularly on the the coaching side and the, the backroom staff over, over the season you say that van grand didn't have too many credentials. I mean, you know, his CV did include South Africa um, and Munster and the Bulls as well, which compared with our previous director of rugby was was, was a pretty pretty stacked CV. So. You guys would have been in with a shout if it was only being compared to Stuart Hooper. To be fair, no, I think what, what I meant by Van Grand was not his history. His, I think his latest work at um, at Munster didn't seem to have. It seems to send him forward with a lot of confidence. I think Tom's frozen. So Gabriel, I mean, like, where do you think things are going right uh, at the moment? Yeah, I think they've maybe just started to go right. Like, the start of the season was a lot more of the same um, in terms of a really, really leaky defence. And in particular, the defence in and around the forwards. So more defence um, and kind of in and around the ruck. We, we really struggled. But yeah, Van Grand came with a new defence coach from Munster and JP Ferreira and whilst Munster were never the the attacking side that, that we see in in Europe in like French teams or Leinster they were strong in defence and they were difficult to beat and that's something that he really really stressed when he came that he needed us to be harder to beat because last season we just rolled over almost whenever anything got tough and and even at the start of this season it seemed to be more of the same but I think one thing we've been stressing is that it's gonna take time like you guys saw with Steve Forthwick when he came in it still took him time to kind of turn that sort of stuff around and yeah two from two the Newcastle game I doubt you guys watched it on Saturday afternoon given the the rest of the rugby fair but it wasn't a fantastic game but it was a game that we won and we were difficult to beat in so we're certainly improving Beating Newcastle, beating Northampton, who are an up and down side at home, isn't necessarily form that, that's going to mean we're going to beat Leicester and, and then kind of make a bit of a run. But it's definitely gotten better recently. Yeah, and the, the other thing I'd maybe just mention is you know something that's been massive for our season so far is the the guys that we brought on from from Worcester. And you know, we stole my next question, but yeah, <laughs> you've done, they've done. You've got some really great players from Worcester, haven't you? Yeah, it's, it's been brilliant. Um, they've yeah, they've added a, a new impetus, new energy, and I mean, particularly the guys, the two guys that we've signed on long-term deals in Ollie Lawrence and Ted Hill. I mean, Lawrence, since he's come in, has looked like a man possessed, and he's been exactly what we have been looking for and what we've been we've been lacking in our midfield that go forward. And then Ted Hill, a guy who's been involved with England, has got leadership. Who was you know was captain of Worcester despite being only you know twenty three years old. Those guys have, have 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 been brilliant, and we did start the season. You know, we lost we lost those first six, and we also lost some important guys to to injury as well. You know, Sam Underhill, Charlie Yules, Ben Spencer has been out, Tom de Glanville as well. So those guys have come in and and filled those guys' boots more than adequately. And yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, I'm not sure how many wins we'd have from our first eight games if it hadn't been for for, for for those for those guys coming in. So 
um, yeah, they've, 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 they've been absolutely huge. Did I was going to say, if you look at the preview to this game, is built up by, by who's not here, in effect, because Steve <laughs> yeah. already has, has, has started his usual sort of mind games and um, sort of media messaging, both for fans and for the, for the players, and saying, obviously, we've got our England and other internationals out. But if you look at Bath, you seem to be picking up, a fa- as always, you seem to be picking up a fair few injuries mm. as well. If you look ahead to um, Friday night, how is the injury situation looking? Have you got any more returning or is it as, as it still as, um, as it has been for the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I think the hope amongst Bar fans is that Ben Spencer will be back. Um, he was nearly in the matchday squad against Newcastle from, from what we've heard and he's very close. And whether they were just saving him for this game, I'm not too sure, but he's close. So whether he will feature in the 23 or hopefully from our point of view, at fly half, and then, uh, sorry, at scrum half, and then onto the fly half position. Orlando Bailey is also really close. Um, so if we can get those two back at half back, that would be really, really important. Um, but I don't think there's really anyone else that's that close. I think there's quite a few of them that are long term. Um, and then we spoke about it on the, the part of the podcast we recorded just now, but we did pick up a couple of injuries on the wing. Um, on Saturday in Gabe Hamer-Webb and uh, Roy McConaughey. And so it's going to be all more difficult if, if Watson's lining up against some makeshift wingers for, for Bath, perhaps Will Bath. So go off as well. Yeah. yeah, so I don't think that's serious. He's a good little player, so is as well. Mm. Yeah, he's been another, another handy signing. I was just, just thinking then, we, you know, we, we could have to look to the, our, our centres to fill in on the wing and it could be Jonathan Joseph lining up against his, <laughs> his old mate. I think Watson was was best man at his wedding in the summer and, and they're old housemates. So it could be those two lining up against each other, which would which would be quite fun. I was just, just going to ask I mean, you it, it'll be fun for, uh, for, Matt, for Anthony Watson and for Leicester Tigers fans, I think. Oh, I think JJ's done some good work on, on the wing. I saw him, we, whenever he got picked for England, like everyone went, oh, for God's sake, Addy, just pick a proper winger. And then I got annoyed with Joseph because then he did a, a thoroughly decent job. So it was impossible <laughs> to drop him. Uh, but he's a wonderful player, Jonathan Joseph, at outside centre. Mm. Well, I, was, I, was, I was just going to ask you guys about, you know, your unavailability because I was having a look through the um, the, the the squad and the, the kind of some of the team sheets that are earlier on the season. And I guess for a start, I'm probably missing some here, but Montoya, Joe Hayes, Visa, Tommy Raffel, Youngs, Van Portfleet, both scrum halves, and Stewart, probably with others. So I mean, that's going to have a massive impact isn't it on, I mean, on, on, on what your team is and, and who are the guys that are going to come in and, and fill those boots? I so mean, if, if Eddie's got any sense, Ben Young's will be available for Leicester on Friday night. <laughs> I, I hope that you're not <laughs> implying that the, the way England lost on Saturday was... No, no, no. In fact, I thought he was one of their best players in the first half. That said, when Jack Van Portfleet came on, speed of pass was noticeable. Um, the difference in that anyway but uh, Elliot do you want to take some of that question I'll, I'll jump in at various points you, you yeah, take was, the backs I'll take the forwards yeah I was going to say if you look at how we lined up on uh, on Saturday in our friendly uh, game against the Italian Select 15 it was very much a warm up for um, for you boys it was very much a, a sort of tune up and we were taking it de- deadly serious if you look at the backs for example you're probably going to see Wigglesworth at nine whilst he's a uh, unspectacular line he knows the game plan inside out and because of you know 
him being the attack coach as well, having that voice on the field for us is so important for us. And it does get overlooked, but he started the final. You know, as much as you, you know, JVP got dropped for the final because it was the game plan that was that was suited. So you'll see Wigglesworth at nine, um, at ten, Freddie Burns, obviously who you boys will will know. Um, Freddie's in particularly good form at the moment. He, we've sort of moved away from our um, experiments of having Gopuff at 12 and having a double pivot and moving Burns back to being the main distributor has, has really sort of took a weight off his shoulder and is playing with a lot more freedom now. So you see those two at half-backs. In the centres, Matt Scott and Guy Porter. Well, been... just jumping in there though, obviously firstly Guy Porter has been retained by England and secondly Matt Scott went off with what we hope is a minor tweak but whilst we say we don't particularly want to see Jimmy Gopeth back in the centres anytime soon he's a fine player but it doesn't seem to work having a second distributor it could be needs must and he is forced back into that 12 shirt yeah so you potentially could potentially our weakest area at the moment because Dan Kelly is also out long-term injured with no sign yet of coming back and Dan Kelly for us is our big is our big player he links everything that we do both in attack and defence so centres is probably if you were looking at somewhere to target if Matt Scott and Guy Porter aren't available you know Cock and Seager is a young player who's still learning his trade uh, in the game at, at Leicester there is an area to to target so then on the wings you're potentially looking at Nemani Nadolo you know the big uh, 21 stone express train Harry Potter on the wing with um, potentially Charlie Atkinson or Anthony Watson um, at fullback, depending on how we want to to play it. So there is still um, a fair amount of talent knocking around in the backs. It's just a shape, a case of you know who does who does he pick and who lines up because you've still got Chris Ashton potentially to uh, to come in on the wings as well. Who's you know his scoring records ever since joining us in February, he's took to the environment at Leicester like a duck to water. He loves being at Leicester and has scored you know better than one in two. So he's 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 still got his finishing ability. So in the backs, it's 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 interesting to see what options we uh, we end up going for. Yeah, I think in the forwards, it's it's Montoya and, and Visa. You know, Hayes is a great player, but Coley is still the man in possession of the third, uh, number three shirt and isn't showing any signs of slowing down. In fact, he's speeding up somehow, defying all sense of science and logic. Um, so he'll be there, and I suspect he'll probably be having a look at that buff scrum and thinking that he might be able to get some change out of it. I still think it's... Oh, that, am I right saying Abano's injured? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful player, Abano, and a really improving in the scrum. But I, I think that it's still potentially a bit of a weak area. And so I think Coley and, and Sean Cronin has been a really under-the-radar signing for us. To Nobody replaces Ellis Genge, but he's done a damn good shift at least of filling his boots, if not more, in the scrum. Then um, at hooker, replacing Montoya, you'll have Charlie Clare, just a really good, solid, all-round player. Probably the best line-out thrower in the club, although last time we said that, his darts went to pieces. So I don't want to kind of put too much pressure on him. Uh, number eight in the back row is an area we've got a reasonable, and, and Tommy Raphael leaving. It's an, it's an area we've got a reasonable amount of depth, but it does mean we do lose some out-and-out quality and probably our only out-and-out jackaler. Um, I suspect we will probably see a, a pretty hefty back row Lining up with George Martin, Hanro Liebenberg, and uh, Ollie Cracknell, which you'll, which is basically just a call for war uh, with very little <laughs> subtlety. <laughs> and what have you guys made of Leicester's season so far? Obviously, you guys have kind of missed people in the last couple of games and had a bit of a layoff recently. But it seems from an outsider looking in, it's been a little bit up and down. Like 
great performances away at Quinns, um, but then some bad ones thrown in there. The Saracens one springs to mind. Um, what, what, what's it been like? To me, I think it's been an okay start. Uh, six games played, only two at home, mm. four away. And you look at the four away games played, they're probably the four toughest in the league. Saris, Saints, Exeter and Quinns away. You know, not many teams are going to get much change out of that, but we've come away from Franklin's Gardens and, and the Stoop with 10 points. So compared to last year, we're only one worse result off. So it's, we're tracking okay if you look at the comparative games. So it's not too bad. We've always, me and, me and Mike said at the start of this season, the fixture list for this first block of games was always going to be horrible, you know, and we just had to ride out the storm because of the player availability issues, because of the tough fixture list. But we always said rounds seven through to 15, 16 were a lot more to our favour and a lot more, you know, it's where we can start building up a bit of a momentum. And if you look at our four games up until Christmas, they're four tough games, don't get me wrong, but they're four more winnable games compared to what we've faced so far. And this is, a, for us, this is our opportunity to claw back a bit of um, momentum and climb up the table pretty quickly again. I think I'll just add to that by saying one of the things we've struggled with, having lost Ford in particular, I mean, if you think that, say, Genge was sort of the heart of the club, but luckily you've got a lot of young guys coming through who can then sort of start to build their own identity. And I think that's kind of recovered pretty quickly. But George Ford was the the brains, the operator. Obviously, you guys know him so well. And you mentioned that fantastic trio of him, Eastman and Joseph, I think was one of the best operating trios, attacking trios in the Premiership has ever seen. Oh, it was an absolute mm. joy to watch, that was. And even that's when you had Burgess at six in the position that if he'd have stayed in, he'd have become an international class six before England mm-hmm. fucked him up. But there we go. Um, but look, if, if we go and look ahead to where our issues have been, weirdly, it's been on defence, uh, and there has been issues with our attacking fluency, but a lot of that seemed to be resolved against Harlequins with the selection of a harder running 12, a more direct 12. And then we did have a 13 who was filling in, which was Harry Potter, but he did have experience of that uh, that spot as well. So I think that I, I my, a lot of my confidence for Friday is probably going to be dictated by what our midfield looks like. Uh, and if we can keep either Scott or Porter at 12, um, and or even thocking a singer with Porter outside him, I think I, I'll be more comfortable. I think if we've got uh, Jimmy Gopeth there, I, I, it just doesn't seem to click at the moment, both in terms of our defensive press and our attacking structure. It's not quite working. Well, you said that you 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 were starting to kind of find a, a little bit of fluency against Quinns. Obviously, that was what three or four weeks ago. It will be four weeks ago. On on you know when when we roll around to to Friday, Are you guys concerned that there might be a bit of ring rust. Um, and you might, you know, um, you might not have that. You might be a bit stop start, whereas obviously we're coming off, you know, uh, a couple of wins, which Absolute is... Absolute fucking uh, thrashing of, uh, yeah, Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, Bather in town, they're on the roll. I knew it. <laughs> Eddie, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, gra- I'm grasping at straws, which after five seasons, we've uh, we've become used to doing. If we hadn't have had the game against Italy, uh, Italy 23, I would be really worried and I'd be really concerned about it. Having been at the the game on Saturday, Tigers did take it very, very seriously and they played a lot of their playbook, both in their forwards and their line-out moves and of the um, attacking moves as well and looked a lot better and showed a lot of intent there. And also scored, I think, three tries off a rolling mall. Two from about 10 to 12 yards out, getting it rolling. 
and then one off the top using a bit of a move for Ollie Cracknell to come in off a off a crash run from six yards out. And I think it was a good exercise for us in being able to 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 right a few of the wrongs that we've had so far this season. I mean, we've you know, if you speak to the players and you listen to their interviews, they're very aware that defence has been an issue for us um this season and they've been very critical about um you know red zone efficiency we've 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 not been as good as that uh, as we have been last season so we used saturday especially in the first half to take it very very seriously kick into the corner at all times and make and getting our rolling ball going and we you know we got the first three uh lineups on the in the 22 we scored tries from so that is an indication that we have been hard at work over the last couple of weeks i think there is an element of ring rust is going to be comes to the fore you know you are Matt Sharp you have played week in week out over the last few weeks and that is going to be an issue for us the wreck is a graveyard for us there's no two ways about it last year I think was the first win in about 10 years down at the wreck so it's not a, a happy stomping ground for us and you know Friday night under the lights you know you're coming into this game on two wins in a row it is set up for a potential banana skin you know home win um, scenario so I think for us, we are we'll be deadly focused on it. As we said, this is this is the start of four league games where we've got to be start taking some wins of it because we are start at danger of falling falling behind if we don't take the wins now. So it's set up for a great game. I'm confident of Leicester's chances, but at the same point, this isn't the bath side of of last season, and you should be taking deadly serious, which we which we all are, uh, which we all. None of us are travelling down in um, in confidence. Put it that way. Well, it was only it was only a four point win at the wreck against last season's Bath last, last year. Um, but I think you know, Elliot you definitely highlight a key battleground there mm. in, terms, in terms of the mall. You know, we've played when I think about the games this season against Saints and Bristol, for example. It's a real clash of styles. You know, those guys wanting to play from everywhere, wanting to run it, and at times that's really not suited our defence, which particularly in the wide channels has been found wanting but I think the Borthwick Van Gran style of play is quite similar you know it's pragmatic it's physical set piece and kind of forward dominated so um, you know Tom Dunn's been I think he's one of the top try scorers in the season of the, uh, in, in the league so far this season That's since he sorted of, his hair out he's been much better exactly yeah he's uh, more aerodynamic now at the back of that ball <laughs> uh, he's yeah he's been I think he's fourth or something in the league so that's that's how prolific kind of um, all one-dimensional, depending how you look at it, we've been so far. No, so, it's a thing of beauty. Yeah, it, it, it really is. So I think whoever can sort of dominate that line-out area and start to get their maul on, on top, I think that will, in my opinion, go kind of a long way to deciding who comes who comes out on top. Um, so it may not be a spectacle of the ages on Friday night. The weather does look kind of set pretty clear, so we could see some some more attacking stuff, but I think it could be, uh, be tucker under the jumper time for... For, for both sides on, on Friday. On that, what's Bath's rolling ball defence like? Because I remember last season, that was a particularly bad part of the season. I remember against Gloucester, yeah, where I think, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Tom Dunn or, or Ross Batty, who seemed to be the only bloke who was trying to put in any effort whatsoever. Uh, and other guys just watched as this red sort of blob drove its way towards mm. the line. Um, as that, I mean, with Van Graan obviously putting such a focus in on the line out and the physicality, is that something that, you've worked on and seen improvement with yeah I mean Ross Batty had been retired I think for a season at that point but I think <laughs> probably put in as much effort as some of the other bar forwards on that day yeah it was it was dismal last season 
the more defence. And the, I don't we didn't score a try from our own driving mall last season. So yeah, the, the mall was a massive problem area last season. And they retained Luke Charteris, the, the line out coach, and, and and it has got a little bit better. Um, but it's still a massive area of concern for me for on, on Friday night. Like it does feel a little bit like, as you said, Tom, that these are kind of a clash of styles. But one team is a little bit further, quite a lot further down the development of that style. Then that's that's definitely Leicester. And we've seen when we've come up against Gloucester, you know, this season on two occasions in the Prem Rugby Cup and in the Premiership, we've lost both those games and and, and been quite poor in that mall area. And they're a team like Bath and like Leicester who have got ex-second rows as head coach and focus massively on those areas. And and yeah, that, that is a, a bit of a concern for me. Um, yeah, the, the other thing maybe just to add is that we we don't really know because if you look at the pack that started the game against mm. Newcastle and the guys unavailable, so Ben Urbano unavailable, Lewis Boyce unavailable. So that means Valerie Morozov, another Worcester guy who was at Bath last season, is in that, that shirt. Will Stewart, injured as well then we had a second row lining up with Fergus Lee Warner again from Worcester and then Quinn Rue who signed at the start of the season with Josh McNally Dave Atwood Charlie Ewells unavailable then you've got Ted Hill who's come in and partnered Miles Reed, and then Yaka Kutsia are, um, are, who would probably be our starting number eight. he's not been available so Richard Decarpentier, who's a X sevens player, has been stepping X in Leicester so, actually I think I think he had a stint another at Leicester. one, yeah. another one to, to tick off yeah it's a long list um, but but so we, it's hard to know. I mean, Miles Reed's been pretty effective in making a nuisance of himself, as has Josh. So lucky to be injured last year because I'd picked him as sort of a one to watch for Bath. Miles Reed. I mean, it's hard to miss, obviously. The, yeah, the, it does, it does, it does hair. But I mean, he, he, he's a he's a cracking player. That back row battle's shaping up to be pretty brutal. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I I I think it will be, and. Um, yeah, we had we had Josh Bayless on the bench as well uh, against Newcastle. He ended up playing on the wing, so hopefully injuries don't dictate that 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 that, that happens again. But yeah, I think it'll be one and lost, one and lost in the in in, in the trenches and um and 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 those guys. And Leenberg, who's your captain, I think has been quite an important player, right? Um, so I think yeah, um, it'll be one and lost in that area. Shall we put some predictions down? Mm. Slug each other off a bit. Be quite fun. Um, okay. Uh, well, why don't we go with the, the Bath guys first? Because I want to see how confident they are. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, Tom, I'll go to you. What, what do you think, mate? Well, I think yeah, it's it's going to come down to that physical edge. I I think we're becoming harder to beat. I think with the guys that you don't have available, which is a you know a unenviable list in terms of internationals, and the fact that we are on our best role in in a long time, I think we will. I think we'll shade it in what's a what's a tight affair. So I think I'll go. Somewhere in the region of twenty-one sixteen in a in a hard in a hard fought game that is uh, none of us on this call have any fingernails left by the end. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a rusty Leicester coming to a flying Bath on on Friday night. Um, bath by ten, try bonus point. <laughs> oh, I didn't <laughs> see the try bonus point coming, uh, Elliot. I think it's an arm wrestle. I don't think. I think Twitter will be full of uh, numerous neutrals bemoaning the fact that this game was chosen between two, ke- two teams kicking the lever off it and trying to maul each other to death. Um, it's going to be a scrap. I think it's going to be a wrestle. I think the, the game up the rec last year was similar. 
where you gave us a bit of a fright and we we had to sort of dig deep to to, to get the win. I think it's going to be similar. Uh, I think set piece will be huge. And I think that's where we have the advantage, both at the line-out and the scrum. I think Dan Cole will be looking forward to, to, to packing down. I think it's going to be a tight one, Tigers by three. I was going to say that. I'll go even tighter than I'll say Tigers by two. I think it's going to be very close. I do think the set piece, just the way the game will play, might be something that we get on top of. Having said that, every time we predict, predict set piece superiority, it never materialises. And then against other teams, it randomly does. So... I'm not overly confident. I'm only what's getting win because I think one of the first podcast of yours I listened to, Gabriel lay, labelled us a poor team, and I thought this guy doesn't know what he's on about. And, it was, and then it was <laughs> well, when we you. it was when we should have won, and Jasper Visa gave away a break, got a penalty reversed by attacking someone in a bath shirt, and then Ben Spencer got a, uh, a conversion from the corner, and I was livid because I was really hoping to go on and lay it on thick about that, uh, but instead <laughs> we'll have to rely on this weekend instead. So I think either way we all seem pretty set. Well, Elliot, uh, myself and Tom seem set. It's going to be an arm wrestle and very, very close. Uh, Gabriel thinks it's going to be uh, one for Bath to run away with. We'll see how it goes. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a really interesting check of where Bath are and where Tigers are. Mm-hmm. Actually, to be uh, to be quite front as well. So, guys, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute treat. Uh, I'd say I might be down the rack. I'll drop you a line, and um, mm-hmm. the winner can um, get bought one of those nice two pints of Bath ales that you get there. I look forward to it. Yeah. (laughs) Cheers, boys. Cheers, guys. All the best.